0: Hello, and welcome back to The Director's Cut, brought to you by the Directors Guild of America, where each episode we bring you a brand new interview with one of the film industry's top directors, conducted by one of their peers. Remember to subscribe to our podcast on Google Play Music, iTunes, Stitcher, or on our SoundCloud page at soundcloud.com slash thedirectorscut. And if you're enjoying The Director's Cut, please take a moment to like, share, or comment. We love hearing your feedback. This episode takes us behind the scenes of director Nikki Caro's new World War II-era film, The Zookeeper's Wife. Based on a 2007 non-fiction book by Diane Ackerman, the film stars Jessica Chastain as Antonina Zabinska, who runs the Warsaw Zoo alongside her husband, Jan. When their peaceful lives are threatened after their zoo is razed during the German occupation of Poland in 1939, the Zabinskis find themselves creating elaborate plans to save hundreds of Jews from the Warsaw Ghetto. In addition to The Zookeeper's Wife, some of Ms. Caro's credits include the feature films North Country, Whale Rider, McFarland USA, The Vintner's Luck, and Memory and Desire. Ms. Caro's short film, Shore to Rise, was nominated for the Palme d'Or Award at the 1994 Cannes Film Festival. After a recent screening of the film at the DGA Theater in Los Angeles, Ms. Caro spoke with fellow director Leslie Linka Glatter about making The Zookeeper's Wife. During their conversation, Ms. Caro touches on the happy accident that led to the film's arresting first image. Her experience working with Jessica Chastain, whom she describes as immaculately prepared, And the ways in which she relied on old school film tricks to shoot scenes that prominently featured real animals.
1: Hi, everyone. Um, I'm Leslie, and I promise you I will not sing since I'm tone deaf. Um, But we do get to talk to Nikki Caro, whose incredible film, I mean, I'm I'm still so moved that I can barely speak. <laughs> but uh, I'm thrilled to be able to talk to you, and we've both been mentors at Sundance together, so we got to know each other, and I got to listen to her talk about her process. And now I'm thrilled to be able to ask some questions about this particular movie today. So thank you, Leslie. Yeah. <laughs> Um one of the things that struck me with your work is the incredible humanity that you bring to everything and how you can take a subject that is so vast and on this huge campus and make it so intimate and I really feel with this movie you've done it again in such a profound way um and uh dealing with a historical time and a historical character. I'd love to hear about your process of working with the screenwriter and what drew you to the material. I mean, the material is so powerful.
2: Okay. Um, well, like pretty much everybody in the world, I'd never heard the name Antonina Zabinska, let alone uh, the role she played in history. And I I loved that she was real. I loved it was that it was a true story. I was very daunted by that period of time and by this genre, and I had to ask myself a lot of hard questions about what, if anything, I could contribute to that genre, because as we know, there' have been many many films, and a number of them very very good uh, so but i when after I thought about it, it was that you know i I felt that in this story there was the opportunity to make a Holocaust movie that in its own very small way um moved the genre a little um into a place of humanity and healing and as far as um you know feeling very intimate goes, um all of that was very conscious in the filmmaking to make a movie that didn't take the position of, oh, we're looking back at this time in history and it was horrifying, but more we are experiencing it now with Antonina and her husband and their friends and um and and like them, it's unfolding for us and if if one question comes up after this movie that I've heard a lot is people go what would i do would would I have had that that courage would I have had that level of humanity
1: uh, i that's certainly one of the themes that always resonates with me as people being put in extraordinary circumstances where they're forced to deal with who they really are. And I want to believe if the bombs start falling now, I will save both of us. But I have never been tested in that way, so I don't know that. So it's such a compelling thing to deal with a character who was real, who made that choice against horrible circumstances.
2: Yeah, they didn't, um, the Zabinskis never considered themselves heroic, ever. Their children considered their parents heroic. Um, but they didn't. They thought they were ordinary Christian people. They did what what they did because at the time it was the right thing to do. And that's, you know, that's profound, I think.
1: It is profound. And the, when you, was this a script that was sent to you? Did you work with the screenwriter on developing?
2: Yeah, um, Angela Workman wrote the screenplay. Um, the best first 20 pages of any script I'd ever wow. read. Um, didn't change very much, actually. The whole elephant... Oh in, yeah, um, uh, and we worked over. I don't know, uh, maybe three drafts. Um, I started seven years ago. She, yeah, and and it was adapted from uh, Diane Ackerman's book, right. ten years ago, which was in itself adapted by Antonina's from Antonina's journals. So it's been very carefully. Antonina's story has been ke- very carefully sort of handed from. Woman to woman throughout this process. Wow, that's mm.
1: that's incredible. And um, are there relatives still around mm-hmm. that have been?
2: Yeah, her children. Um, Teresa is is a little blonde baby in the movie, and is also the very beautiful looking older woman sitting on the couch with our producer Kim in the cocktail party scene. Wow. Um, she was very very uh, close to us through the whole thing, and. Um, and, and loves loves the movie, feels that we have honored her parents. So, what an amazing thank God. God. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, mm. yeah.
1: And how about working with, I mean, what an incredible cast. Mm. I mean, Jessica Chastain is, it's... She's ridiculous. ridiculous. And, and your process of working with her, with Daniel Bruhl, mm. was also incredible, really.
2: Yeah, we were under quite a lot of pressure to hire A-list male Uh, actors, and I mean, I can say this in this room, but, um, uh, I probably wouldn't say it, you know, publicly how difficult it has been for me, uh, in the movies that I've made to cast A-list guys in secondary roles, uh, in women, uh, in (laughs) female-centered movies, you know, movies with a a female lead. Um, so we were sort of up against it in that department, and, uh, uh, Jessica actually brought my attention to Johann Heldenberg. Which, if you guys haven't seen Broken Circle Breakdown, you absolutely should. It's an incredible film that he actually wrote the original material for. So he's he's stellar, and Daniel's Daniel's just amazing. And those guys were such a great. They were such great partners for Jessica, such great partners for me. Uh,
1: amazing mm. cast and working with her. I I mean, you've yeah. worked with such extraordinary actresses and gotten. Yeah. amazing performances, you Mm. know, throughout your...
2: Yeah, Jessica's, she's sort of different in some ways than some of the others I've worked with because she is so deeply skilled. She's classically trained, um, immaculately prepared, fiercely intelligent, um, incredibly and magnificently generous with her scene partners, whether they are um, human or animal. And every time she would come onto the set, even given the intense level of preparation, she learned to play the piano and the accent work and the animal work and everything. She would still come on set for every single, single one of those hundred plus scenes. And it would be like I was seeing it fresh every time. It was a masterclass, I swear. Wow. And it was always a very good day at the office, Leslie.
1: <laughs> That's- and, and speaking of animals, mm. how did you work with those animals? Because I know, I remember having brunch with you in Berlin. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, you were using, these are all real animals. Yes. And the mm. scene with her uh, saving the baby elephant, mm. like, those yeah. are real elephants. She's in a cage with real... Mm.
2: Yeah, um, I mean, the animal work generally, I, I couldn't imagine making this movie with fake animals. Um, and the budget couldn't have withstood that either. Uh, so um, yeah, the trick is, here's a trick, is no tricks, no right. special tricks with the right. animals, just let the animals be themselves, let them do their thing. So the trick really is helping the crew and the and the producers and financiers understand and be good with the idea that we're gonna go off script where we need to. Um, and and we did. I mean, the opening shot of the movie was scripted to be Antonina uh, feeding to the lion cubs with with bottle, like a traditional kind of mother and child right. image. But the little baby cubs came to set, and they'd already been fed. And and like all little babies, after they've been fed, they just want to go to sleep. Right. So there was no choice. I mean, I wasn't going to make them have more food and be uncomfortable. So we just put them on the bed and let them sleep. And It's a much better image, I think, to have the camera behind her. She's quite elusive and um, enigmatic. And and she's watching her sleeping children. You know, they're two different species. And and that little lion, you know, puts its head up and its little ear goes like this because they were so attuned to her. She's a whisperer.
1: Wow. She really actually genuinely is. And it's such an incredibly beautiful beginning and image Mm. of you know, all of these children sleeping together. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah and... How th- did you deal with the, inv- you know, the invasion, the...
2: Oh, yes, okay. So, yeah, quite a low-budget movie, really. Um, um, it looks, like, more expensive than it was, yes. I swear. Yes. <laughs> um, yes. uh, and, and that's the thing, how do you express the coming of war yes. when you're in a zoo? And so I, in prep, uh, I had my assistant pull every single bit of crappy footage off the internet of an animal reacting to something, even if the reactions were very, very small. And I had all of that sent to my editor, who cut together a sort of really crude previs to the sound of Stuka bombers. I wanted to see if it would work to have the animals sense the coming of war. And so that's what, what we have. Um, when you see animals in distress, I swear, none of them were. Um, if they're looking really agitated, they're mostly following the boom pole or, if, in the case of the monkeys, playing with a guy called Robert. Um, and so you take away that incredible sound design and really it is just a bunch of animals looking around. <laughs> it's really old. It's
1: such old school filmmaking, I swear. That's totally fascinating. How and that scene with her with the baby elephant was mm. that a you know the I mean elephants are very kind but they can also be dangerous too.
2: Yeah, here's the other thing about elephants. Um we know they're super smart, uh but they also get bored very easily. Probably a condition of being very smart.
1: So like take two or take three? No, it's,
2: it's every two hours they have to have a break for 45 minutes. <laughs> they go out the back and they just chill out and recalibrate or whatever they do and they come back. Um, but that, that, se- that sequence was, um, so two nights, um, freezing cold... Two elephants, a child, a bunch of extras from the cocktail party. Um, the little elephant is a puppet, the, yes. the one that's not breathing. When it survived, it's revived, it's, our only CG animal. Um, and, and, uh, you know, I got it. I can say to you guys, the first night, I wouldn't say we were covering ourselves in glory the first night. it, it I mean, it was okay. But I spent the next day just going through every single shot and figuring out exactly what we didn't have and what I needed to get and going back the next night making sure we got it. Um, but the trick was um, animal engagement. Um, Lily was the elephant and she wasn't that into it, honestly, the first night um, until we figured out that we could hide apples around <laughs> Jessica. Um so under the puppet yes. and kind of under Jessica's tiny little cocktail dress. And so that elephant doing this all around her, you know, she's covered in elephant's <laughs> knot, I swear. Um, is is is, you know, Lily looking for apples. And this is the all of the animal work was like this. Wow. This is how we did it.
1: Yeah, That is so fascinating. <laughs> so she's looking, because it was like, it was so intimate and mm. beautiful. I'm like, wow.
2: Yeah, yeah, great sound design yes. um, on, on all of these animal sequences, which just completely brings it to life. And,
1: you know, it's photographed so beautifully. What is yeah. your process of working, your directorial process of working with right. your team? I mean, you you obviously yeah. had a Czech crew and mm-hmm. your cinematographer and your...
2: Yeah, Andre Parekh
1: amazing
2: um, and Susie Davies, production designer total goddess so you built the whole zoo we built the zoo, yeah, yep. it was impossible to uh, shoot in a in an existing zoo, yep. I mean production design wise it wouldn't have expressed Warsaw in the 30s and also issues of access and safety and um, no, I'd still be there shooting um, so we built our own one which um, was amazing the villa in the movie is identical to the villa in the Warsaw Zoo. So should you go to the Warsaw Zoo, you know, you can literally go inside that building. And the basement's all there and the bugs and the piano and everything's exactly the same.
1: And is this the first time you'd collaborated with that uh, DP? Yeah,
2: yeah, Andre, he's amazing. Um, we were in a location van on an endless Czech Republic location scout when we realised we have the same birthday. Oh wow! Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's so he's he's like my it, like my little filmmaking twin or something. Wow. It's really good. We
1: worked with the same editor over and over yeah, again. Yeah, the
2: whole time since Whale Rider. Yeah, wow. and and the, for the first time we were completely separated on the other side of the world from each other. He was here and I was there. And um, it was great because i go to sleep at night and I'd wake up in the morning and he'd already cut what I'd shot that day. So, yeah, it, I don't have to go in the edit room anymore.
1: <laughs> and how was your Czech team? Because um, they're amazing. Yeah.
2: yeah, they're really, really good. Um, solid. They do. Uh, there's a lot of production there, and that was a problem because we we got financed. We sort of ran- had to ramp up really fast, and all the studios were were taken. Um, so we had to create our studio space in an air conditioning factory, which wasn't ideal okay. at all, sound wise. No. <laughs>
1: Um, And I have to ask about a couple of scenes that were just so extraordinary. The scene with the young girl Mm -hmm. who was raped Mm -hmm. and she doesn't utter a word for the first scene and, and uh, Jessica Antonina is there talking to her. I mean, the performance, it, it, it went back to whale rider for me of that incredible form performance of that young girl, but It was. I can't
2: take any credit for that. It's Shira. Um, Shira Haas. She's uh, Israeli, and uh, you know we had uh, a hundred or you know and dozens of really, really, really great girls from uh, we were casting out of uh, the United Kingdom, and they were wonderful. Um, But this, as soon as I saw Shira's self tape. I just said, I don't want to see any of these other girls. Don't waste their time. Um, They're not going to get this role. It belongs to Shira. Wow.
1: Well, that was an incredible Mm. sequence because, I mean, she doesn't speak, and yet she says everything.
2: Yeah, the whole idea was what had been um, done to her had rendered her animal, and um, therefore somebody that Antonina knew instinctively how to deal with. And also there's a little bunny in that scene um that was funny because we went we showed up to shoot it and (laughs) they came with the bunny the the animal handler small animal Person um, came with the bunny, <laughs> the bunny was about this big. <laughs> <laughs> it was the biggest ugliest rabbit you've ever seen in your life. The biggest rabbit yeah, you've ever I, seen. I just said, "No, we, <laughs> we can't do it. We can't do it." So, so various PA's were dispatched to pet shops across Prague to find a small, <laughs> adorable bunny. And um, I'm happy to say that bunny now lives a very beautiful life. Um, now it's been in the film industry. <laughs> <is now laughs> not some shit child's now. pet is now living a beautiful bucolic life in a small farm in Prague.
1: That's hilarious! <laughs> Thank goodness the bunny, I'm well behaved bunny,
2: and that you know we're just yeah. I'm an idiot. I I Walked can tell over. you this. I can tell you yep. guys this. I we shot that scene, I guess I was so into the actresses and everything that I forgot to get the shot. The bunny close up. And <laughs> <laughs> so I forgot to get the shot the way the bunny goes across. And so, you know, overnight the editor brings that to my attention. So we're back on set the next day and have to pick up the shot. And that little bunny, take one. Yep, just walked across. Her hands come down. Amazing. I mean,
1: you're, you're definitely the animal whisperer. Because I think it's,
2: I think with animals, it's just like they're so sensitive. Right. It's, I mean, if you have babies on set, exactly the same thing, and some really gifted actors are the same, that they are so sensitive at a cellular level that you just have to calm yourself right down. You have to have, you have to make sure everybody around the camera is just, just calm it down. Very quiet, and then then the animals are fine. They're really curious, and they do some great stuff.
1: Well, I've had bad experiences with mice, so Mm -hmm. I guess I was not common. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What happened? Well, it needed that they just wouldn't do anything that they needed to do. Mice are not so smart either. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you know, and um, it just had to run forward, but it wanted it didn't want to do any of that. Okay. So
2: you probably yeah, you needed Jessica. Or yeah, I wanna,
1: obviously yeah. Mm-hmm. needed some some assistance there. Mm-hmm. Um, I w- I want to go to that scene where Heck discovers the painting, mm-hmm. and that the painting is so amazing and <laughs> magical.
2: Yeah, it wasn't for a while there. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, yeah, I mean, it's a, it, it was a 46 day shoot. Um, we were always, you know, um, pushing the limits of it all the time. So, um, when we came on set to shoot that stuff and it was revealed all the drawings on the walls, um, they weren't that good. We hadn't explored it enough, and I was so sure of what it had to be, which was kind of Chagall-like and and folk art-like, and and so there was a moment of kind of total crisis, and the art department, bless them, every single one of them were on the floor with pencils and paper, and they were just drawing, 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 and handing me things like this, this, this. And when they finally got it, it's like, yes. Wow. Then they just, it, it, it just flourished along the wall. They did it so fast. Yeah. <laughs> it's so
1: incredibly beautiful. Yeah. yeah. And, and just after these people have been living there, and then that is what the children did, what's left. Mm. you know? Yeah. Is, it was such an incredible image. So I was wondering where that came from. And, um, and, th- and I have also the scene with, um, with Antonina and Hecht when she goes to find out where Jan is. Mm. I mean, that's a really an incredibly intense scene. Mm. And what was your process? What was the process of...
2: Yeah, I had, I had just two ideas. It's good when you don't have too many, yeah. I've discovered. Um, and, and one of them was the ribbon. Um, which we see she's wearing in the first time he talks to her and he remembers it. And the bigger idea of that scene is that Antonina goes to him prepared to have sex with him to find out information about her husband. The flip side of it is that he can't perform if she doesn't love him. And so her, that moment where she says, you disgust me, yes. changes everything. He, he couldn't, I mean, rape her, even if he had wanted to, he couldn't. And so those, that very simple idea of that exchange of power, um, was quite enough to, to make that scene work. And Jessica and Daniel, fantastic relationship. Um, no, uh, you know, in between takes, we we're all laughing and you know, joking around. They don't hold on to it. It wasn't a they're not method actors. Um and they took care of each other and yeah, it was actually it was a really great it was one of my best days. I really enjoyed it.
1: <laughs> that's so interesting to yeah. hear that because with an intense scene like mm. that you don't know if that's incredibly difficult or...
2: Yeah, I mean, it's interesting uh, where your level of engagement is emotionally with the story because I think there's a point at which you can get really indulgent yes. as a director. I, that You actually, I mean, I think you have to be emotionally right there with the actors and prepare to support them in every moment. On the other hand, you protect them by keeping yourself in some kind of professional, at some kind Absolutely. of professional distance. So yeah. you can, you can be uh, very discerning about, about the work.
1: Just out of curiosity, did you shoot that toward the end of the shoot or was it?
2: It was week four. So, yeah, so they knew each other well. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, there are a number of images that are like when the ash, when when the kid says it's, smoking, uh, smoking, uh, it's snowing, uh, snowing outside yeah. and it was the ash is mm. just such a profound moment and mm. such an incredible way to deal with that.
2: Mm. Yeah. yeah, Teresa told me about that uh, when uh, we went to Warsaw and I was standing on the balcony with her and she was telling me about... Uh, about what her mother told her about that. So to actually be on the terrace of the actual villa and the child of Antonina telling me what her mother could see, um, very vivid and inspiring. And we did that with um, uh, little bits of black plastic um, blowing up from a a big fan, a couple of big fans. And critically, we did it. Uh, at Magic Hour on the Perfect Day. It was the last shot of week one. <laughs> and wow. I remember sitting on the on the terrace just being wiped out by that week and finishing with that scene. But oh knowing God. that it was gonna be so beautiful. In exactly the way that it had been envisioned.
1: Wow! Because it was it was beautiful and horrifying mm. at the same time. Yeah, and
2: I think I think one one thing that makes it as as good as it is is really uh, Harry Gregson Williams' score.
1: Yes, go- beautiful. Mm. Yeah, it's incredible. And the, the, another, I mean, there were so many images. Such an incredible film. But uh, you know, a scene that I feel like I've seen before, which is of course the horrible image of the Jews being put on the train, but w- the the image that will stay with me forever that I've never seen is all of the children looking up to be lifted mm. was so, uh, it just killed me.
2: Yeah, yeah, I mean, that was super important to me to get that, you know, as a parent, or even just as a human being, when a child lifts their arms up to you, with all certainty that you will take care of them. That's what it felt. Yeah, oh. and and it it wasn't um it wasn't uh, in fact that scene wasn't originally in the script or at least Jan was originally outside of the gate watching and and so I had Angela kind of move it inside and m- make it very personal for him um and and. Yeah, I mean, Johan is so good, and, and those children, oh my God. I mean, bless them, don't you check children, having the best time, just <laughs> what a day, getting <laughs> into the wardrobe and, you know, j- jumping on the train. They had no idea, and so you've got half the crew in tears because, you know, they're all responding to the image, but the kids are like, oh. You yeah, know, this is fun. Up. Someone's yeah. picking me up and putting yeah. me in a train. Yeah. You know? I mean I I think it's those things uh that I I mean we all look for, right? Where an image can express something very big without words. And, and, and yep. you
1: do that so beautifully. Cheers. But those those moments were just you know, mm. it um it really it's very profound. Mm. Yeah. Um, so with all of this, what, what, were there particular, like, high or low points? Like, you know, in your process of 46 days of shooting and,
2: yeah, um, uh, yes and no. I mean, it was a really happy shoot, actually. Um, it was a really good place to shoot. We, I was surrounded by amazing people. Um, I felt the, the responsibility of recreating the ghetto. I yes. felt that. Uh, very, very deeply and um, was really wanted to honour the millions that died by celebrating 300 that survived and that's a tricky, that's actually a tricky line to walk. Um, but again, uh, try to keep it uh, grounded and within the world of the characters. So the first time you see we go into the ghetto, we're going in, we're seeing it literally from Jan's point of view yes. as an outsider, as somebody who can come and go. And he has his son there, so you have that context as well. And um, yeah, Joseph, we shot in uh, Czech extras are amazing. Those guys are incredible. Yeah, I mean, I, I have a thing about extras. Oh, me too. <laughs> when, when I shot, um, North Country, I, I made Warner Brothers, I made them allow me to bring all the extras we, from, um, northern Minnesota to New Mexico. Hundreds of them. <laughs> they let me as well. Um, because people in New Mexico didn't look like people from, northern minnesota and i'd shot already shot in northern minnesota so when you were doing your N- yeah, yeah 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 so it's for me it's like any person that's occupying space up there has to be amazing yeah i feel yeah, the same I'm way
1: i'm laughing because my <laughs> amazing ad that i work with all the time <laughs> sunday stevens is out there oh, hi, so and i looked up and, and <laughs> because i do this with extras all the time yeah. when i'm on the set and i'm like if something doesn't feel real and i'm looking at it that's what i'm looking at rather than the the scene, yeah, and it pulls me out completely. And th- it felt like everyone was so real and completely part of what was mm. happening.
2: Yeah, yeah, they were. There is one. My editor David says there's always one.
1: Oh, there's, there's one, I
2: mean, one extra in there overacting up a storm. Really, I didn't oh, know. I've seen yeah. this a couple of times <laughs> now. Did not oh, see that. That's all I can see. <laughs> of course, I'm never going to tell you where, where it is, <laughs> but it's there. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Um, that's so interesting. Well, um, but I, I totally get that. That's part of the picture you're creating. That's part of the world. And, you know, if something takes you out, it's, Mhm. Yeah. You know. now, did you have a, did you have, did you bring your AD and then have a check AD? How did that work there?
2: Uh, yeah, I couldn't, I normally work with, uh, an AD here, but she didn't qualify for the tax credit. So, uh, uh, the European tax credit. Right. So I had a great AD called Phil Booth, um, out of London and he bought his second and then we had Czech third and yes. um, Yeah. No, it was, it was great.
1: <laughs> That's good. <It's> a, <laughs> this is what you want to feel after, like, an amazing shoot. Yeah. That it was such a great, you know, experience. Um, and is there anything, like, what, what were, what were, was there anything that was incredibly, cha- I mean, I'm sure there were tons of things that were challenging. The subtlety of dealing with this material and the intimacy of the characters and how you, chose to let us see the world, like mm. Jan's point of view, going into the ghetto. Was there anything that, that you know, when you started working on, you were really concerned about? Oh, and there, yeah. Where oh, yeah.
2: I mean, yeah. there's a pile this high. Um, a, a big one was, I mean, in kind of early prep, in fact, before we went to uh, Europe, uh, the distributor and, the, you know, the money was asking me how I was going to do certain stuff, you know, um, particularly bombing the zoo and then the animals kind of roaming through yes. the streets of Warsaw, you know, and they'd say to me, well, how are you going to put the lion in the road? And I would say to them, well, <laughs> I'm going to put the lion... In the road. <laughs> and, and it was, it, you know, it's such a simple idea and so easily achieved because the only issue is, is securing the perimeter. Right. Um, so we, we were shooting in a little town called Josephop, which was also our ghetto location. Um, we had to really barricade the shit out of that little place a couple of blocks. Um, uh, figure out how to get Unmanned cameras and a crane went over the barricade wow. and there was another camera on a little remote control rig and the others were from up high, apartments up high and we had corresponding shots of people, you know, looking down. Yes. And those two lions and the tiger just letting them free and watching them play. We put a bunch of um rubble and there was a... There was a um, baby carriage as part of that set, because uh, we're saying Warsaw had been bombed, so there's a baby carriage, and they'd put a little bit of chicken in the baby carriage <laughs> to see if the animals, you know, might be interested in the baby carriage. <laughs> the like tiger just went for the baby carriage, it was really macabre, we could oh never use God. it, you know, no, just to no. get the chicken, a not a live chicken, just a piece of Chicken meat. Um, there could have been more chicken. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was mostly, it was mostly that sort of stuff that had very simple. I like to think quite elegant solutions. Um, and the other big one was the bison mating scene and, and how the hell do you achieve that? Because that actually can only happen on one day of the year. In a field somewhere, (laughs) you know, it's, it's, it's a little bit of, it's, there's a little bit of creative license taken in that they are corralled. But, um, but that is literally just one bison standing on a ramp and Jessica and Daniel holding a rope around the other. A lot of amazing sound design, some tricky editing with shots going backwards instead of forwards. All, like, super old school.
1: Wow. I mean, that's so great in this world of so much digital Mm. technology and and vis effects that, you know, to really, like, Mm. the fact that you did this all.
2: Yeah. The problem with, I think, for me, the problem with um, CG animals is that although we can make them photo real – we they will always be a human's idea of how an animal is behaving in that moment and we we can't do that i right. mean we are not tigers and so the amazing thing about working with real animals is that they're absolutely authentic and always completely surprising
1: right and they mm. behave like animals yeah, they behave yeah. like it's they do. not a
2: bunch of guys in a room going oh couldn't it look a little bit more
1: surprised yeah. or something yeah but that's fascinating about the mating. I mean, I, mm. somehow I just accepted that as happening. I don't know why. But <laughs> well it, done. But I, Thank I guess you. I was supposed to. It worked great in the story. I'm like, wow, you know. But the fact that that's how you did it on a, ra- I mean, that's. Mm. I love hearing this. I mean, that's what's yeah. so amazing about these kind of conversations.
2: And the little bison, um, you know, that they are sort of petting when Jan walks up is a is a puppet that. <laughs> it's a really skinny, fully pierced and tattooed check guy kind of on the <laughs> inside, kind of animating its mouth.
1: <laughs> yeah. Which is, th- I mean, that's what's so great. I yeah. love hearing that. Yeah, you know, I I now want to go back and look at it and go, oh, mm-hmm. there's a pierced, tattooed. Mm-hmm. Czech yeah, guy no, he's in so, there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and. So, I mean, this is kind of a hard question, but, um, the, uh, did the film come out the way you had kind of imagined, you know, in your, in the process of like.
2: Mm. Yeah, it did. It was very consciously feminine. That was, you know, fully consciously in every department. And it takes, that takes a bit of, Confidence and courage, actually, to commit to, um, the idea that Antonina herself should inspire every level of this filmmaking. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I'm female, so is she, and that the, I, I, I mean, I think there's no, it, it's not surprising to me that so, f- that we haven't heard this story before, because I think historically a lot of the, women's experience has been considered less relevant, particularly in wartime and particularly historically. So um, to to be inspired by her and really commit to her, to her role in that war, the way she fought that evil with her own kind of light and compassion and care. Um, when you've got Yarn, you know, as a member of the resistance, going off and doing, you know, he's got a lot of action to commit to the the person who's at home in the basement. Um, m- offering not just refuge, but real sanctuary with music and art. And that felt so... Um, that felt kind of new to me, and I wanted to honour that. I yeah. think
1: that's... I think it is. I mean, we've seen... You know, mostly we see war through the soldiers who are mm. fighting. Yeah, you know, and they're not...
2: And, and, and there's scenes we've seen before. Um, yes. They're also quite fun scenes to shoot, actually, because um, I would... We couldn't afford to do them in the main unit, so I would go on my days off and direct the second unit. Right. Um, and all of that, you know, blowing it up, that's the best fun ever. Yeah. But... That I love wasn't, it too. <laughs> yeah, no, I know you know it, <laughs> yeah, um, but that wasn't, you know, where the uh, the soul of the story was and needed to be.
1: No, and I think seeing seeing that particular war from uh, a female point of view and someone who is taking care of, you know, putting themselves on the line and taking care of a huge amount of people mm-hmm. is an extraordinary point of view uh, to to see. You know, World War Two. Yeah, you know? it's
2: just different, and it's and and I, I mean, I'm sort of excited by the fact that we don't. There's so much we don't know because if this story's out there, then there are so many others of women's experiences historically, and that we can make films about or we can write books about. You know. Mm-hmm.
1: Ab- absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so much untapped material yeah. like i until you, you we talk, i had never heard of this story before yeah i mean
2: even people in poland uh, you know didn't know it wasn't widely known
1: and the fact that the zoo is still operational yeah you know is an amazing yeah um, yes mm-hmm. all right thank you so much Nikki for thank your amazing thank you for coming girl. very much thank you all A br- gr- uh, you're amazing thank you Leslie thank you. so much <laughs>
0: Thanks for listening to another DGA Q&A. You can check out past episodes of The Director's Cut wherever you listen to podcasts or on our website at dga.org podcast. Also, if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe so you won't miss an episode. If you're enjoying the podcast, please like, share, and leave us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. Thanks again for listening, and have a great week. This podcast is produced by the Directors Guild of America. Music is by Dan Wally.